0: Support for Human Nature comes from our listeners. To celebrate our fifth season, we have a brand new t-shirt as a thank you for your support. It is a drawing of a hiker and a moose cohabitating inside headphones. There's a picture and a place to donate at humannaturepodcast.org.
1: public media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones.
0: And I'm walking through the dark, and with no warning whatsoever, I hear whack.
1: This time, we'll hear about a New York actor with an unusual side job. Fisher Neal grew up in Tennessee.
0: I would say that hunting is probably the earliest thing I can remember. Probably I was 4 years old. My dad went away for the weekend and he came home and he had a he had a deer. He had shot it with his bow and I remember being completely in awe of the magic of this thing. I'm sure that part of it was just childish hero worship of my father that I had this impression of what had happened, but from that moment on, I was fixated on the idea of going hunting and joining my father. I mean, I was pretty much hooked from that point on. It's been a part of me and a part of my life, probably the most defining aspect of who I am since I was that age.
1: Fisher was shy, so he eventually turned to acting to combat that. He loved being on stage, and eventually he got into the Yale School of Drama. When he finished grad school, he knew it was time to move to New York City and take a shot at stardom. But it wasn't easy.
0: All actors need day jobs. You know, unless you're lucky enough to just have a trust fund or parents who are rich enough to float you, you've got to grind.
1: He got cast in a national commercial, landed some parts on television, and even starred in a Broadway play. But Fisher still struggled to make a living, so he worked survival jobs, mostly as a waiter or a bartender.
0: I was constantly thinking, how can I, how can I make a living for myself in a way that is more gratifying, that I would actually enjoy doing? And, of course, the natural thing was to think hunting. For the whole time that I've been an actor, it's been this crazy, contradictory life that I'm living, where I'm, on the one hand, I'm living like the most redneck, stereotypically manly, red-state and Republican and gun-toting thing you could do. On the other hand, I'm in the most liberal artistic circle and profession that you could almost possibly be. And there was always this balance and this question of like would people accept me but it turned out there's actually a lot of people who see hunting if it's done in a certain way as better than going to the grocery store and eating meat. I thought well man maybe I could you know maybe I could teach people
1: Fisher started taking clients out. They were mostly men in their mid-30s and 40s, working white-collar jobs.
0: It was kind (laughs) of stressful, but also really exciting. I mean, it's stressful when you take something from being, you know, a hobby into a profession, of course. And, like, anytime you're guiding and hunting, there's that need, that desire to deliver for the client. You're out there and you don't know what the animals are going to do. <laughs> that first guy who came out, I remember, I, I wanted him to get something so bad. I don't think we saw a deer that day. And I thought, man, he's not going to come back. I took him back to the train to go back into Manhattan. And uh, he's like, that was really great. I'm definitely doing it again. He went a second time. We still did not see a deer. And I thought, well, okay, now that's it. But no. He came back a third time. And on the third time, right at dark, at the very last minute. It was so dark that, you know, you can almost just see a silhouette of the target. And a deer came in and approached. Stopped right in the place where we needed to stop. He made a perfect shot. The interesting thing, even more than that, was his reaction was not one of excitement, but one of deep contemplation. Rather than wanting to give me a high five, he actually became quite quiet and he didn't want his picture taken with the deer. I thought it's so interesting and great that he can come out and he can have that experience.
1: Coming up, Fisher realizes maybe he needs to give his clients more safety training.
0: People often say it's a small world, but as someone who's traveled quite a bit, I've come to realize there are giant parts of the planet that most people never think about and billions of stories they've never heard. I'm Scott Gurion, and on Far From Home, I visit some of those places and tell some of those stories. On my first season, I documented an 11,000-mile road trip I took from London to Mongolia in a ridiculously tiny car. Now I'm continuing my adventures to more far-flung places from Cambodia to Chernobyl, Japan to Peru. Subscribe to Far From Home wherever you get your podcasts and join me on my journey. The Human Nature Team is so grateful for your support. Listener donations allow us to keep bringing you great stories. As a thank you, we have a brand new t shirt. It has a drawing of a hiker and a moose cohabitating inside headphones, which we like to call Moose Surprise. There's a picture and a place to donate at humannaturepodcast.org. One of the craziest things was one of my early clients, you know, he has all these deer in his neighborhood. So we go over there. And sure enough, his neighborhood could only be described as infested with deer.
1: The neighborhood was really spread out. Fisher and his client were bow hunting, and they were the legal distance away from other buildings, so it was okay to hunt there.
0: So I put him in a tree stand in his backyard, uh, along his backwoods where most of the deer traffic was. But he told me that there was a fair amount of traffic that would sometimes go in his front yard as well. So to increase the likelihood of success, we split up. And I hid on the ground under a tree in his front yard. The hunt goes by. Some deer come in. He spooked the deer before he could get a shot. And so then it gets dark. And, okay, it's time to get down. So I start walking around his driveway, around his house. And I'm walking through the dark. And with no warning whatsoever, I hear... And the sound was so loud, I was instantly terrified. I knew what it was. Without telling me, he had decided to take a practice shot at a small log that was in the middle of his yard. And the trajectory of that bolt was less than five feet from me when it passed me. So that was a terrifying experience, and I realized, like, wow, I actually have to be so much more careful than I am being now. I have to treat adults like they're kids. Nobody understands how hard hunting is until they've done it. I spend a lot of time trying to explain to people that it's much harder than they think it is. We go hunting, and as happens the case with some of these clients, you know, I I meet this person in the dark. We don't even see each other in the light until the sun rises and we've climbed up in a tree stand. He had mentioned that he had, you know, some discomfort with heights, but it wasn't going to be an issue. He He wanted to try hunting out of the stand. So I climb up first. I'm like, okay, now it's your time to come up. He gets about halfway up, and he just stops. And he's like, I don't think I can do it. And I'm like, uh, okay. Do you want to hunt from the ground? And he's like, "No, I, I, no, I'm going to do this. So he makes his way onto this little platform. And now he's close to me standing at the top of this ladder, and I can see the fear in his eyes. I'm like, how are we going to do this? Finally, he gets himself over there, totally terrified. And within moments, I see this big, big buck coming across the field right toward us. So I tell him, there's a deer coming. You've got to stand up and turn around. He said, what? I said, stand up and turn around. And he said, I can't. I'm like, what? You can't stand up? He said, no. That deer came in and walked right past us, right in front of me, ten yards away, and all we could do is sit there and watch him go by. The really remarkable thing about it was that he wanted to challenge himself. Whether or not he was successful at killing something was far less important to him than challenging himself physically and mentally, and spending time in the woods. Once I realized just how much fear he had of heights, you know, the fact that he came out there and climbed 20 feet up into a tree and got on this little platform, an impressive feat for someone with that kind of uh, fear. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why people want to hunt, but the biggest ones seem to be that people are catching on to a kind of moral sense that factory farming just isn't something they want to be a part of. But they want to still be able to eat meat and feel okay about it. So the logical options there are organically farmed and raised or wild meat. I think the other side of it is just people who want to get out of the city and be in nature. I think that being in an urban environment creates a craving for the outdoors. I initially really hesitated to allow myself to really let this business grow because I knew that it was potentially an existential threat to my acting career and the thing has gone from being, you know, once a month when it first started to once a week last year to a full time job this year. But I think that as long as I can stay in both games, I will. I've become very active on Instagram to promote my business and I'm, I'm trying to promote it as a cult of personality and be. An actor and a, a hunting teacher on Instagram, but um, you know, I had a, a very successful theater director who I've worked with write some real negative comments on something that I posted, and I thought, "Wow, am I am I having a negative, permanent negative impact on my acting career by going down this road?" I don't know. I think at the end of the day, if I'm doing something that makes me happy, and then I feel satisfied in that that'll be enough for me, whether that's acting or hunting.
1: Our storyteller was Fisher Neal. He says now sometimes he turns down acting gigs so he can take people hunting instead. You can find a link to Fisher's Instagram and website at humannaturepodcast.org. While you're there, you can help support the show. Everyone who donates gets a sticker. I'm Erin Jones. This episode was produced by Megan Fury with help from Micah Schweitzer. It was edited by me, Anna Rader, and Alec Schaefer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.
0: It's human nature.